The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Draft Talk. I'm just Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Hey, what's up, people, Tyler? What's up? What's up? Be uh, eight days away. Well, at the time this comes out, one week. Almost there. So close. So close. Uh, we are presented by Acme Packing Company. This is the eighth time we've gotten together to talk about the draft this offseason. I think the plan for today, we're going to talk about uh, the recent visits. There's been five more to the Green Bay Packers. We can talk about those guys. We're going to talk about the top six wide receivers in the draft and other notable wide receivers, just to give you guys a recap. Um, and then we're going to get into uh, the little birdies. What little birdies have told me during silly season. And I want just live reactions from Tyler. Tyler doesn't know what these rumors are yet. I don't. Yeah, I do not. Uh, speaking of you know silly season for the fact that we've done eight of these and we haven't talked ourselves into any complete nonsense yet. I like to think we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. We're solid. The brain is still working. We haven't, eh, we haven't eh. gone crazy. We're not writing on walls or anything. I, I think Packers Twitter has collectively gone crazy with all the Depot Samuel stuff, but uh, it's Maybe, bad. Yeah. They're down bad. Maybe a little bit. Um, I'm definitely feeling the fire, though, on, on Twitter.com, on the, on yeah. the old bird app. Um, some guys that have come in recently for visits for Green Bay that you should know. Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. He, so he is probably the best three-technique uh, defensive lineman in the draft. One thing I did not realize until I started poking around, trying to figure out um, where he's going to go, kind of seeing like, hey, would Green Bay really be interested at 22, or is that more of a 28 thing? He has – pretty severe off-field concerns um abuse of of women are involved you can look up uh, the police report to see what like the official uh thing is the other the other problem is there's one documented incident i've been told there are other incidents uh that have occurred so not not great um this is kind of a situation like uh green bay brought in sam williams the uh pass rusher from ole miss uh to to visit this offseason, they brought in guys like uh, Joe Mixon um, when he was coming out of Oklahoma uh, previously. So who knows if this is like a due diligence type of thing or if this is someone that they're actually considering drafting that high. But it's at least worth knowing that because I, I honestly was not aware. I mean, we talk about draft guys all the time and I'm pretty much just watching film and asking people for, for opinions and trying to get them to steer me in the right direction. Why it was the guy I didn't know he had all these off field concerns until uh, he visited Green Bay. I started poking around, and then I started asking, like, wait, have you heard this too? And everyone's just like, yeah, dude, he's kind of a jerk. 
it, it's hard, especially when you start hearing stuff about off-field concerns, because, you know, especially like on a, a platform like this, you don't always want to share that stuff publicly, right? Because you don't know how much validity it is. But in a situation like this, you know, you're hearing it from multiple places and it sounds pretty, pretty damn bad. And we have documentation on some of it. Um, it's a guy you'd feel kind of gross if Green Bay took. And like as talented of a player as he is, uh, that's a hard one to justify with the first round pick, you know, especially given all the other needs. Uh, and there's some other players, obviously, you and I like a lot on the defensive line that they could go after. Uh, do not do not love to hear or see that. Yeah, and he was a guy who I thought, from a schematic point standpoint, made a lot of sense for Green Bay, yeah. unfortunately. Like, he was a guy who, you know, maybe there isn't a wide receiver. Maybe, you know, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson go before 22. Then they have to probably start looking at, you know, edge rushers or defensive linemen. If Karloftis isn't there, Wyatt is probably my next pick. That's kind of how my mindset works for the 22nd pick yeah now that he's gone maybe it's a guy like uh logan hall who i've heard you know the team is kind of interested in so we'll see if 22 is too high for that um i know a lot of people have him going in the second round i think green bay will probably like him a lot more than uh, other teams just in general you know they like edge rushers and defensive linemen who are very athletic and have rare size you know in in the first round so i wouldn't I discount a guy like that I mean, I'm surprised that he gets such like a firm second ground grade when you watch him. I mean, just it's the size, it's the explosiveness, it's the twitch. Uh, he's got a lot of tools and he can move around quite a bit on the defensive front. So, you know, he is one of those guys where, you know, you know, even if you think he's fringe round two, if the Packers did take him in the late 20s, like it's a player. You know, I'm of the mind, just draft the players that are good and going to help you right away, especially in this window. Here's one of the cool things about Logan Hall, too. He is still growing into his body. Um, which is insane yeah he he was a former basketball guy Um, what's going to be really important for Logan Hall is he's probably like a five technique when you look at him in terms of his ideal fit so there in base defense is going to be Kenny Clark Dean Lowry maybe Logan Hall if he gets drafted by the Packers again the draft pick hasn't been made by the way Um, he could play three technique because he's explosive enough and he's long enough and athletic enough he can play on the edge on certain downs so like Maybe you're in a pressure package. It's third and six. They don't know if you're going to be out there in nickel or if it's a pressure package. Well, now Rashawn Gary's head up on the center and Logan Hall is on the edge. That creates very different matchups than if you're just in the nickel front, right? So, like, stuff like that is where his real value get, kind of gets shown. Um, another guy who got brought in, Abraham Lucas from Washington State. We Love talked about one. him when we talked about offensive line prospects. Very athletic, uh, four-year starter at right tackle for Wazoo. Really smart, dude. Like all, all the stuff we talked about with uh, Royce Newman not being able to handle stunts at right guard this past offseason, like that is not an issue for Lucas. Um, he's very bright. You could tell that he's seen pretty much everything from a pass pro perspective. Washington State was a uh, air raid team under Mike Leach that then transitioned to a run and shoot. So like he's had to do a bunch of stuff in protections. Um, he doesn't get a lot of help because they don't really play with tight ends. They release their backs in the backfield a lot. He is a right tackle, not a left tackle. So that will like get him treated different by NFL teams, I guess is the best way to say it. Cause yeah. not every NFL team thinks like green Bay where green Bay is very much like, we'll just get our best five on the field. What, what do you mean? Why would we just have, you know, a left tackle only play left tackle. That doesn't really make sense. Other teams really do have those rigid, like, no, that's a left tackle. No, that's a right tackle. Look at uh, Houston a couple of years ago when they drafted uh, Titus Howard too high you know from Alabama State in the first round and the reason for it was they were like he's the next right tackle 
And it's like, whoa, you probably should have been more open to, you know, any offensive line. Like you, you drafted a third rounder in the first round just because he was the next guy who played that specific position in that round. Like there's not that many guys who play right tackle in college who then play right tackle in the NFL. It doesn't matter. I don't understand like the teams that don't live by that philosophy of like versatility on the offensive line. It just adds so much depth to your team, right? Yeah. Like if you have guys that are used to playing, you know, all five positions in theory, you know, like you said, you can get your best five out there, but when injuries come up, I think that's what made the Packers so successful last season is, you know, guys are going down throughout the year and you're just like kind of mixing and matching pieces and, you know, you know, all things considered, they did phenomenally well. Uh, will, you'll appreciate this too. Uh, I was at a film session the other day uh, and we were watching a college where apparently uh, every single player on the offensive line has to learn how to snap the ball. So all the players use two hands when snapping it because it's just an easier way. And we were all just very confused watching the tape, but like they use a two hand method when snapping the ball just because everyone is taught how to do that. Was it, this is very degenerative. Was it fair state? It was something like Saint. Oh my gosh! It was oh, okay. In, never mind. It was in, it was in a very very small division. I think it's Midwest. Ferris State. So Ferris State's where Malik Taylor went. Um, yep. They have I the thought. quarterback who was a lacrosse All American who played quarterback this past year uh, there. Is and the guy who's like, getting some buzz. Yeah, he got like thirty today? rushing touchdowns. He's going to play wide receiver uh, at the NFL level. He's very athletic. But Ferris State is, you know, one of the dominant uh, D two programs, and they do the same thing. It's it's pretty odd as, as someone who's it is weird. coach 15 year olds had snap balls before. Um, they also brought in Christian Watson from North Dakota state. That is a player. Lots of Packers fans have been talking about highly uh, contended wide receiver prospect, very athletic, had 100 receptions at the FCS level over, I believe four years uh, played. I think we looked it up. It was like 34% of North Dakota state snaps on offense this past year. Um, very much like a high upside, low floor type of get like boom busty type of wide receiver. I don't get the first round buzz with him. I don't think he necessarily goes there. Um, he is a guy that people have talked about. I, Mel Kuyper mocked him 22nd overall to the Packers. So it's at least worth noting that Watson was brought into Green Bay. And also, you know, his father was a former Packers draft pick. So we got that connection there too. I've literally seen people say that he's the only wide receiver they want at 22. And I'm like, he doesn't yeah. even stay on the field more than like defensive linemen. And he played at a smaller program. Yeah, everyone's got separate. noise to say about uh, Jordan Davis not playing all these third downs. And yeah, where's all this? Where's all this talk for Christian Watson? Yeah. Uh, it's also, I think we've talked about this before. Like when one of your first highlights is an end around. Uh, red flag yeah it's a lot flag and again don't get me wrong like there's a lot where i can see like yeah this guy could be a very fun deep threat one day but like just it's the i don't see enough separation like you you've been quick to point out like that is not enough snaps to be on the field to be you know not only a first round pick but then in theory the de facto number one receiver great back yeah he might take a couple years and i don't think Green Bay doesn't have a couple years. Ain't we're, nobody we're got on, time for that. We're on the Rodgers time clock right now. Um, they also brought in Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma. He's worth noting. Um, yeah. He's probably going to be a top two round pick. Very athletic. Showed out at the senior bowl. Didn't necessarily have a ton of production at the college level, but everyone thinks, you know, he might get untapped at the next level. It's not like Oklahoma's defenses have ever been, you know, uh, highly regarded, I guess is the best way to yeah. say it. It's worth noting Winfrey and Wyatt were both brought in. I mean, that's two of the top five defensive mm -hmm. tackles, and there's really 
probably only like five defensive tackles who are going to go in the top 100. Like it's a pretty thin position at the top. It really so is. The team is actually like looking at the position, which is interesting. Um, that's, in my opinion, one of Green Bay's three biggest needs. Um, we look at wide receiver, obviously number one, but then right after that, it's edge and defensive line, which are however you want to rank it. I mean, I'm, I'm cool either way. They need bodies at both spots. Yeah, just get guys on the front that can make plays, and I, I completely agree with you. Winfrey is interesting because you know you can see a lot of the explosiveness on tape, but you know he's not making a ton of plays. And the buzz I heard around the combine was just that Oklahoma was using him incorrectly, which you know again it is Oklahoma. Wouldn't be that surprised if that was the case for a defensive prospect. Um, that's one of those I'm super curious on because I don't even know where he, he should go. Maybe he gets overdrafted because you know it's such a thin defensive line group. Um, but yeah, man, that's just one of those, like, I, I have no grasp on where I'm going to see a guy like that go. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts of the draft though. I love seeing these guys where it's like first round Seattle takes a guy I've never heard of. And I'm like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so at the top of the draft, I'm looking at the consensus draft board. There are eight players ranked in the top 121 picks. Um, or six, I'm counting seven players in the top 121 picks. There are no players between 68 and 122. Not, so, and that's basically two rounds, right? So at the top, it's Jordan Davis, who's a nose tackle. Um, then it's Devontae Watt. We already talked about him. He's three-tech nose tackle, whatever you want to do with him. Logan Hall, we touched on him already too. Travis Jones out of UConn, who's another nose tackle. Then Perry and Winfrey. Then it's DeMarvin Leal, who's another five-tech. And then Fideri and Mathis. Um, that's it. That's the defensive tackle class in like the first – three, four rounds, depending on how you split it. And then God have mercy on your soul if you're trying to look for one after that. And then it's like, oh boy, you start calling these uh, 36-year-old free agents and stuff like that is kind of... Geno Atkins still around? He he on the team? <laughs> he's What's Mike Daniels doing? Yeah. Mike Daniels oh, is supposed to work out clips. He's got he's to be in shape. Um, the last visit that Green Bay has brought in uh, that has been reported, Bam Olasini? I believe is how you say his name, the left tackle out of Utah. He did not start until this past season. He is 26 years old. He is from London. He played for the London Blitz before he went to Garden City Community College in Kansas, ended up being a four-star recruit, had offers from Texas, had offers um, from a ton of big schools, and decided to go to Utah, basically spent two years uh, developing his body, could not play until he was 26, but did pretty well. He was a second team, uh, all Pac-12 player. Just a massive dude, 330 pounds, 6'8". He, he is a hog. He did not pass the uh, Packers kind of offensive line threshold stuff, and uh, I don't think he's going to be a draft pick. I think this is the first one. Him and uh, Carpenter, the linebacker safety guy out of Georgia Tech, are the first two that I think you can point at and say, like, these are priority undrafted free agent like recruiting visits. So I wouldn't be surprised if Olasani is signed, uh, you know, day three of the draft after everything is over. That makes sense. Now I, we had brought this up before when these visits started. And now that we have like enough of them, I actually want to ask you, like, is this normal? Like, this is not normal for the backers seeing this many like top guys come in for visits, correct? No, but it has been more normal under a goot, right? Um, yeah. It's been it definitely more normal under Goot because under Thompson, it really was like character concerns, basically, and then undrafted free agent, like uh, recruiting, basically. 
It, it was those two things. Um, under Goot, I mean, they, they brought in Jordan Love the year that they drafted him. Um, there's been some other guys. I, I think it's something like nine draft picks under uh, Gutekunst that have been drafted after taking visits in Green Bay. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys end up coming in. And I, I think every single one of them so far, other than Olaseni, has uh, passed basically like their thresholds. So I, I think a lot of these make sense to them. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk about the wide receivers because I want to touch it one more time. Um, I, I said we were going to break out and, and do like little mini pods about these wide receivers, but then I realized we don't have enough time. <laughs> thing, things are just changing so much in terms of yeah. the wide receiver front. Like Drake London just barely had his like quote unquote pro day um, recently. So like st- stuff is getting weird. It, it's funny season. Things are flying around. I want to go through my wide receiver rankings and I want you to just kind of like react to them um, yep. and, and, add on anything beyond the evaluation that cool. I have. So the top six wide receivers, in my opinion, number one's Jamison Williams from Alabama. He can just fly. Um, he was the one guy who was able to produce against that historic Georgia Bulldogs defense. Um, very fast. He's going to give them a vertical threat immediately. If, if the Packers can figure out some way to sign him or bring him in. Um, I don't think he's going to be there at 22. I think there's a, better chance of him going in the top 10 than him being there at 22. I don't think they would give enough draft capital to move up for him because you look at draft capital in general, right? It's always tough looking at the trade uh, trade value chart because teams are just going to value things differently, right? Like the third overall pick, you look at it and you're like, Oh, I need this much, but the San Francisco 49ers just paid last year, three first round picks to move up to the third overall pick. Um, to move up for Jamison, I think you would basically have to give up the same assets that you got Devontae Adams for. And I don't think the team is, is willing to do that. If you no. look at it, a, a first and a third, 22 and the third uh, round pick, that gets you up to 17, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that's when the second guy, Chris Olave, very smooth. We've talked about that all the time. Uh, Calvin Ridley uh, comp is, is the one that sticks for me. I think that's maybe when you could see a trade up for a guy like a Chris Olave from Ohio State. What are your thoughts on those two? I really like Jameis Williams. You know what's funny is the first time I watched him, I wasn't totally sold. Even with the game playing, like game breaking speed, there were some concerns. And then the more I watched him, he like addressed all of my concerns on tape, like, you know, catching outside the frame, contested catches, things like these, like surprisingly good. The play strength is obviously not there just because he's rail thin, but you know, we talked about this with, I talked about this with Devontae Smith the year before, like, you know, he's so light, but you know, when no one can touch him, you don't have to worry as much about play strength. Right. Um, but he's a little bit bigger than that. He's a nice competitor. Um, that speed. Yeah. You just absolutely cannot teach, you know, Alave is the guy that I've now just fully talked myself into is like the number one target realistically for the backers. Um, I joked the other day, his favorite song is by Santana and Rob Thomas because everyone describes him as smooth. It's like it literally any, I think it's 100% of the time I hear anyone talk about a lot. It's just smooth, but like Every it's, it's the speed. It's the, it's the routes. It's the awareness of space. Like when you're playing in zone, finding those soft spots and just getting wide the hell open. Uh, he's just got, he's got everything besides being a big body to me. Uh, I think he is a guy that, yeah, if you trade it for 17, my concern is he might not even be there at 17 at this point. Like yep. I, there are a lot of teams that are in love with them. I've heard that Philly really likes him. Um it would absolutely destroy me mentally if the Minnesota Vikings took him at 12. Oh, I don't need that. I don't, I, I don't need that at all. Um, I, I think 
if you're watching the draft, the way to look at it is the way the big boards are going to be shaped, there's going to be runs on positions um, this year more than most. So I think early on, you're going to see teams jockeying for position for top end tackles and top end edge rushers. Then you're going to see teams jockeying for the two corners, Stingley and um, Sauce, Sauce Gardner. Yep. And then after that, that's when it's like it's wide receivers. And that, that's when you got to know it's go time. So if those guys start coming off the board earlier than the corners, maybe, um, that's when maybe you're worried as a Packers fan. You're like, there might not be a guy worth taking at 22 at 22. Yeah. My third guy, and this is kind of like where it starts being like a second tier for me. Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. I know a lot of people have him as the number one wide receiver in the mm-hmm. class. I'm not there. Um, he's a vertical guy. He's acrobatic. I think Olave was the best wide receiver on that team. Um, Wilson's a little stiff. I don't think he's there as a route runner necessarily. I'm sure there's room to grow. I just like Olave better as a day one guy. I think Wilson might go higher than, than uh, Olave on draft day. I would probably say it's like 80-20 that he does. But he is the last guy that I think makes a lot of sense for Green Bay that is looking for speed, right? Because my next guy is Drake London, USC. He didn't run. He had an ankle injury. He didn't run at the combine. He didn't run at his pro day. He just had a private pro day, uh, I believe, last week at USC's campus. He did not run there. He only did, like, uh, wide receiver drills, catching the ball and stuff like that. He's a guy who's going to run, I think, when he's healthy. He's probably going to run, like, a four, five, eight. Um, not a speed guy definitely the bigger body guy in this class um he can do he's basically like a super equinamia st brown if you kind of like want to think about him like that like a lot of the end around jet stuff um he'll be able to help as a blocker and all that like he did all that with the trojans already Mm -hmm. but that's where you see the split where it's like even if london is there is london a guy that the packers need because they need speed they really do need speed well, they also love running those screen games and everything like that. And he did a lot of that at USC. And what was funny is he made plays on those, even if the guys on the boundary couldn't block for shit sometimes uh, just because of the contact balance, the yeah. ability as a runner, like with the ball in Drake London's hands, everyone talks about the jump ball and the size thing. The best value to me is his contact balance, you know, with the ball, because sure. he does a great job of breaking tackles and making plays after the catch. Garrett Wilson. I'm kind of with you. I think he is, a little bit closer, maybe in my opinion, to Olave and uh, Jameson, because you know, as as clunky as the the movements look, when he does plant his foot, I really think he can make some pretty nice cuts. It's just uh, my in my brain, I think if you just if you can find a guy to make his movement more efficient, that he can really be you know really be something. It's funny just because it's been so long of talking about the top options. I just can't even visualize either of these guys we're talking about in Green Bay uniforms right now. I'll take them. I'll take them, I guess. Eight days. Um, My next two guys, and these are the last ones I want to touch in terms of the rankings before we talk about kind of just other notable dudes. Um, George Pickens from Georgia. I think he's the best X option. (laughs) You're wearing the National Champs UGA shirt. Uh, George Pickens, I think he's the best X option in this draft class. Um, Has the speed, has the vertical uh, threat is just a bully in every sense of the term, Um, can run routes, has yak ability. I really don't get why people don't like Pickens more. Like, I I, I do have him fifth, 
in this class just because he doesn't have the high, high end speed that like Williams, Olave, and Wilson have. But if he's the pick, even at 22, I'm not bummed out if I'm a Packers fan. Uh, I, at this point, I would be thrilled with him at 22. I'm not joking. I, I, one of the things that always is like a siren going off in my head is when I see a bunch of people who cover other teams talking about a specific guy, makes me feel like that guy's going to go a lot earlier than we're expecting. Uh, the two guys right now are Pickens and Josh Pascal, which is not great for this pod specifically. Yeah. Um, but with Pickens, man, it's, it's that mentality. The fact that we have not heard any character concerns, despite being, I'd rather you be an asshole on the field and the fine off it. Right. You want that guy. The other thing is they're like, yeah, work ethic concerns. I'm like, this guy came back after an ACL tear in like four months. Yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah. Work it. Like, you know how hard you have to bust your ass to get that done. Get out of here. And to Kobe Dean, you said you talked to him and he said, that's the hardest working player on the team. Right. Yeah. Just, I mean, the acrobatic catches too. It's something that gets lost all the time. Like the way he makes catches in the air defies all logic to me. Uh, he's one of those, man. It's just, I, I keep seeing it. I think I, the reason Packers fans resonate with Pickens so much lately, the team's been too nice. It's been too <laughs> nice for too long. Do you need that asshole? Like someone's got to do it. Uh, yeah. I know you watch a little bit of soccer. Have you heard that famous quote from Jose Mourinho about Tottenham when he took over? I have not. Give it to me. It, it's it's not super safe for a podcast, but we'll just go with it. He's just like, you know, I, I see all of you guys. and I see a bunch of nice guys. But what I need are some C words. I need a <laughs> bunch of angry C words. And like I said, the, you know, the Packers sometimes, man, like there's too many nice guys. You need you need someone that's going to be a bully and going to piss off the other team. 10% rule. I mean, it's not like Devontae didn't get chippy with guys either. And he had every right to because he was kicking their butts. I, I hope. Yep. George Pickens comes to Green Bay and kicks everyone's butts and gets a little chippy. I'm yep. happy with it. Um, the last guy in my ranking is sixth, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. The interesting thing with Burks is it seems like he's falling down draft boards just off of uh, conversations that he's having in interviews and stuff where they're asking him like, hey, why are you using the slot? Why are you giving so many you know mac- manufactured touches? And I guess it's coming to light like – they were telling him like kind of like where to line up and stuff, you know, uh, pre-snap and things like that. So that nece- that hasn't necessarily stopped teams from drafting guys before. We heard some of the same stuff with like uh, Kadarius Tony last year, right? But when you don't run what you thought, you know, you were going to run and you end up running four fives instead of being this four, three crazy athlete. And then you start hearing that. That's why you've seen Burks drop from like a guy people were talking about as a potential top, 15 pick to a guy who might not even be drafted in the first round anymore. Well, you know me, man, I, w- I was very high on Burks throughout most of this process, but when I did hear that, man, like it, I think a couple of things clicked for me and you know, that's really unfortunate. And that's why it worries me a bit about the Packers fit, you know, a, they don't need another slot guy. That's pretty much everyone on the roster is a slot guy right now. Right. Because he, he would be a long-term replacement for Alan Lazard basically, yeah. which doesn't necessarily help you this year and they nope. need help right now very quickly you need a number one who has awareness and technical ability and understanding of the offense especially when you're trying to have that what made the Packers often so great was Rodgers and Adams just going off script all the time right like they some of the most exciting plays of the past few years has been Rodgers admitting like yeah me and Adams just see something and then we look at each other and we're like we're going to adjust this on the fly so you know if you want some offensive explosive explosiveness like that you're going to need a guy that understands the playbook inside now and I don't think it's a surprise Burks is taking so many visits. If you guys pay attention to that, like it seems like 
he's damn near had a visit with every single team, right? Um, a couple guys of note, I just want to touch at the end of this. Not These aren't necessarily rankings. There's plenty of guys in between them, but just guys that I think are uh, just newsworthy, I guess is the best way to put it for Packers fans. Christian Watson, we already talked about him a little bit. High flyer, very athletic uh, from North Dakota State. The other guy in that same kind of mold, Alex Pierce, seems like a couple months ago he probably would have been a fourth-round pick. Um, a lot of people are saying that he could potentially even sneak into the back end of the first round now. Um, he's the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Giant body, very athletic. He's somewhere between, like, Eric Decker and Jeff Janis, I guess, in, like, his development. Um, seems like everyone loves him. He's a real bright kid. Uh, I don't know if I would turn in a second round pick for him, but there's a decent chance. I think like if the board breaks wrong for the Packers, depending on if they want Pickens at 22 or 28, or if they even have a first round grade on him or not, I could see them taking Pierce in the second. I just wouldn't be super happy with it. No, nah, man. Ever since Chad Hansen, I stopped trusting white boys with bounce. I, I just, I can't do it. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Hey, he's good. He's fun too. I will say like his, his tape is fun. It's just, you know, I don't like seeing, I say it every year, like the big body guys that make contested catches that can't be your number one thing. Like yeah. you, you got to create separation at the next level. The other guy I really like, and I think he's just had the nightmare off season is Justin Ross. I mean, in terms of a talent, you haven't jumped off the hill yet. Look in terms of the talent, he would have been, if not top five, borderline top five for me in this draft class. He's a guy who, based off of what I'm hearing, is probably going to go in like the fourth round. He had basically a uh, spine fusion in 2020 after an injury. Um, then he came back and played with a poor quarterback, DJ Oyungalole, at Clemson once uh, Trevor Lawrence left. So a lot of his production came actually in 2019 when he was a freshman, but you could watch him get open at Clemson this past year and he's creating separation. He's just not getting the ball. And that's really unfortunate. Um, he's a big body guy. He has speed. He can separate. Here's the problem. He ended up having a, an injury over the off season or, or at the end of this past season that lasted through the off season that kept him from running at the uh, combine. It seemed like he ran too early at his pro day. Like he, he just wanted to run in front of all of the scouts instead of having his own individual pro day like Drake London had, because maybe you're not attracting the same amount of, of general managers and scouts that Drake London did. Right. Yeah. Um, he had very poor numbers. It was and bad. That, is something, that is something that is shocking when you look at his film. That's why I believe it's, it's a, he just rushed it too early, but I, I'd say the same thing about David Bell, but I'm pretty sure David Bell was healthy at the combine. He, he was. Yeah, it just wasn't good. I, I think he ran again at Purdue's Pro Day, and he produced the same thing. But Purdue's Pro Day, if you watch any of the uh, George Karloftis videos, was done outdoors in the rain. So it's not like they were helping their guys at all. He's the next JJ. No, I think everyone else did it inside. I think he opted to do it outside. Karloftis was the only yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah, I think what everyone else opted to do it. He's a Watt man. Um, I got to talk. three cone. Yeah. Run the three cone. I just want you guys to run the three cone. Um, unless you have any other notes on wide receivers, let's take a break, and I'm going to run by uh, what the little birdies are saying, and I'll, I'll, I just want you to live react. I'll just say one last name, which is Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame, although we're starting to hear some stuff that's not super great about him either. 
but it seems like he likes to fight guys on his yeah, own team. Maybe, to... maybe not so great. <laughs> He's fun though. I, I, he was a guy where if I didn't know that, I'd be much more in on him. But you know, we'll see where he ends up. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll see you guys on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back. All right, the little birdies. They've okay. been in my ear. I've been a chatty Kathy for like, since this entire weekend. I was texting people even on Easter. Um, they were responding, so I don't feel so bad about it. They, they were watching USFL because of those record ratings. They got two point something billion on a uh, Sunday Easter game, which NBC said was like their highest watched uh, event on a Sunday ever. So that's spring football, man. I'm telling you guys, people want it. They, people don't care about it a ton, but they'll like bet the overs and they'll bet the unders and they'll bet a team and they'll be like, hey. That's Shea Patterson. I remember Shea Patterson. They'll watch it. They'll watch That's me. It. That was me at the bars. Oh my gosh. When you at the XFL days, who was I watching? I didn't remember PJ Walker, but there was a, Oh, Jordan Te'amu. Yes. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ole Miss guy. There you go. That's my favorite he, thing about the spring football league. The, uh, Tampa Bay bandits. He's That's my favorite part about bandits. spring football, football brand in full effect. You're like, Oh yeah, that guy. I remember it's, that guy. Someone tweeted out like it's a, it, they have two demographics, right? It's a, Hey, that's that guy. That's where he is now. And then it's gamblers. And it's like, yeah, there's enough gamblers and enough. Hey, that's that guy, people, to, to be able to support the sport through the spring. And I'm justice probably. is both. Exactly. So here's what the little birdies are telling me. Okay. What do you think about this? Debo Samuel wants 25 million or more. This, yeah. this, <laughs> this, this thing with San Francisco, by the way, is a contract dispute. It is not. The, the whole narrative of it being about his usage is coming from the team, by the way. Like that, that is what's being pumped and is being pumped through the national media. He wants $25 million or more. They came to him. They offered him uh, 18 They said they wouldn't go above 20 He was like, all right, well, I want out then because I don't even want to play with you guys the way that you're using me right now in a contract year because I'm going to get hurt, right? I just want my money right now. What do you think about Debo? With I, Texans. <laughs> well, they can afford to pay twenty five, right? That they have the money. They have uh, what their second pick is like twelfth overall. It seems from what I've heard, that's the leader. Hey, man, Jack Easterby could have a total vision that like he was supposed to give six first round picks to San Francisco for Debo Samuel, and they'll do it. 
because I don't know why that man's in power, but that okay that's the situation where i see this happening uh i will say this it would be kind of fun to see brandon cooks and debo because then you really can see if davis mills can do anything because they seem a lot higher on him than i expected uh but it's also kind of smart strategy just hey give this kid another year and then go into another draft where there's gonna be some legitimate quarterback prospects and see what you can do yeah i think this is the year to figure out what you have in mills because at this point i don't I know a lot of people fell in love with Mac Jones kind of last year just because of the Patriots success, but in terms of the individual talent, I don't know how different Davis Mills and Mac Jones were like that's the similar Mm -hmm. type of quarterback in their rookie year. And we're expecting a big jump out of every rookie quarterback because every rookie quarterback has a pretty significant jump unless you started off hot, which neither of them necessarily did. The Houston Texans owned the 13th overall pick. I just don't know if you would move 13, because it doesn't sound like the Jets are willing to move 10. So Houston is like the next highest one that is like in contention for it. If, if that were the Packers, I would say no. That, that's entirely too much based off of what the, the, the highest pick Kansas City got back for Tyreek Hill was 29. Yeah. The highest pick Green Bay got back for Devontae Adams was 22. And you're going to give up. 10 if you're the Jets or 13 if you're the Texans for Devo, that doesn't make any sense to me. The math doesn't add up. And you don't need his, the way he plays, right? Like, you know, he's such a versatile piece that you can play him a lot in the backfield. You don't need that. You have two, you know, stud running backs. You don't need that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for Green Bay, I don't think. Um, The other thing little birdies are saying, Seattle doesn't know if they want to resign DK long-term. That's interesting because DK would be a guy I think the Packers would love big body right we always talk about how that body type is super important in green bay he's very fast right we talked about with mbs how how rare it is that guys of that size are that fast he has production he's young what's what's not to like i mean i think it would take a lot from seattle i know seattle's um beat writer for espn they did basically did a hypothetical with other beat writers and they were like hey send me trade packages and you know i'll pick the best one and he ended up coming out uh, in this hypothetical with seven other beat writers and was like, oh, we'll just keep DK then because none of you offer two first round picks and that's what it would cost to move him. Two first sounds way too much for me. Even in this draft class where like maybe Green Bay doesn't have someone to take at 22, just take Pickens at 28. I'd rather take Pickens at 28 than trade two first for DK and then reset the wide receiver market again. I don't blame Seattle for not knowing what to do. Um, <clears throat> it's a... Uh it's a weird time for them, right? Like, do you need to blow it all up? Your draft history hasn't been great. So you've got this roster that, you know, you've got some talent, some places, but can you hold on all onto all of it for long enough to find your next quarterback, to build an offensive line, uh, to, you know, reload the defense. And then I, I just don't see it, man. Like, I think I would rather if I was Seattle, blow it up this year, try and figure it out next year, land a star quarterback. That's a tough situation to be in, man. I, I don't know what I would do with DK either, especially because you're probably not getting what you want in a trade. The Seahawks are in such a weird spot because they don't know what to do with their number one player on their team. They have no tackles. They don't have a quarterback, but they're telling themselves we're not rebuilding. You're rebuilding. You should be thinking about rebuilding if you're not thinking about rebuilding. It's very weird. Um, we talked about this last time where I brought up you know, Trent Baalke the politics of it all, 
um, why they maybe would think about going with Trayvon Walker with the first overall pick because he's never getting credit for taking Trevor Lawrence first, right? So how, how does he get credit for number one? Maybe it is taking a guy like Walker and proving to everyone like, hey, I was right. I'm valuable. You no longer have to interview guys like uh, Rick Spielman to oversee me, right? You no longer have to have a month-long conversation between me and Byron Leftwich when he doesn't want to take a, the head coaching job when I'm here, right? Do you know who Trent Baalke's head coach was when he was in San Francisco? Uh, oh, my gosh. I don't want to do an anti-Italian. I don't want to do a justice. No, 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 was no, it, no, no. Was it, uh, oh, my gosh. Um, sure. Not Singletary, no. No, Harbaugh. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, yep. Where did Aiden Hutchinson play? Michigan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's his head coach? Harbaugh. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. Huh. Is Trent Baalke known petty general manager so petty that he wouldn't draft in Hutchinson because he wouldn't want to give Jim Harbaugh a first overall pick. Wow. Wow. Buddy. The, 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 the rumors that spread around this time of year are hilarious. That's why I wanted to pass that one by you. That one was so juicy. I, I you you give that. me another GM, like most GMs, and I'm like, that's just, but it's Balky. Any, any other yeah. GM, literally any other GM other than Trent Balky. If you had told me something with Grigson, I would believe it, but he is, he's long gone. He can't hurt me anymore. <sighs> New Orleans Saints did a weird move. They traded for a mid-first round pick uh, with a future pick. So now they have two mid-first round picks. Kind of weird. People don't do that in early April, right? That that strikes that was, one is odd. The whole trade hurt my brain when I read it first. I was very confused. What if New Orleans packaged those picks to move up for Charles Cross? For Cross, okay. See, I had heard quarterback was the rumor. I don't Cross. I love Cross. I that, that again. We've talked about how much we like that guy. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's how you, you replace Taron Armstead, but you also just give up two first rounders and lost your All Pro. Yep. Man, that's tough. But yeah, I mean, he's a heck of a replacement. It'll be interesting. I think these tackles are going to go off the board faster than people realize. I know some people are like, will, will Charles Cross be there at number nine for the Seahawks? I don't think there's any chance. Like, I, I think any of the top edge rushers that people talk about, other than Karloftis, in my opinion, um, are going to go basically off the board first, and then it's going to be the tackles. Like, that, that's how that, the draft is going to play out, in my opinion. Here's the other one. Jermaine Johnson. What if the New York Jets trade up from 10 to draft Jermaine Johnson? So they go offensive tackle in the, with their first pick. Then they move up from 10 to draft Jermaine Johnson. That seems entirely too high for me, but apparently it's out there. Apparently Salah loves him. Where's Thibodeau go in that situation then? That's the, that's the interesting one. Do you I take your Thibodeau chances? Drops. I mean, I think there's a chance Jermaine Johnson goes before Thibodeau. Oh, that would be, that would be a mistake. I, yes, I agree. I mean, I th- personally, I think Johnson is like a second round type of guy. Like I would take, I would take a Bacchetti over him. I would think about Paschal. I would think about uh, Boye Mafe. I would think about all those guys going ahead of Johnson. It's the exact same thing we've talked about with Trayvon Walker. I remember watching Jermaine Johnson. I went, Whoa, that guy's really fun. I think he could be a top 50 guy. And now we're like top 10 pick, just top 10. Just is that just an indictment? Does this just draft suck? Is this the worst draft? It's 
I don't think it's the worst because there was that one. What whatever year Eric Fisher went number one? Was the worst. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> that, that was the worst. And then like Gian Jordan went like third. Oh my gosh, Dion Jordan. Jokel went second or whatever. That that was that was a pretty bad run. But that yeah, was the first year I ever covered the draft. Actually, it's Fun weird, fact. man. I keep coming back to it's very weird, and someone is going to benefit with drafting George Karloftis at some point because first it was Ojabo, then Ojabo blew out his Achilles. Now it's Jermaine Johnson. Trayvon Walker is just skyrocketed, right? Beyond belief. The only guy who seems to be staying steady is, is uh, Carl Loftus. No one wants him. No one wants him will, willing to move up for him. Because he's boring. I think it's just because he's boring. Maybe someone drafts him early on draft day and all of this stuff was just manufactured and they can't believe that, you know, no, no one caught on to it. But it doesn't seem like the NFL likes him as much as the other guys. I feel like the media just... I feel like the media isn't as high as him just because, again, he's not the most exciting player. Maybe this could all be. This is but actually. He's like 270, and people don't contextualize how he moves at 270. Yeah, like you, it's you read stuff, and it's like, yeah, he's a plotter. He's got heavy feet. And it's like, that's not heavy feet for a 270 pound. Like that, he's very athletic for his size. We had his. Uh, it's a good thing not a ton of people listen to this, right? But we had, a, we had his defensive line coach at practice the other day, and he was saying, all kinds of stuff about you know this guy. So I, I'm sold. I, I was sold before that, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Here are some fallers uh, in this draft class, just to wrap a bow on all this stuff. Traylon Burks, we talked about him a little bit already. Um, he's dropping down in interviews, uh, not, not for personality stuff. It's just like, oh, he's still very green. He's still very like new to playing like wide receiver at a high level. Devontae Wyatt, obviously, for the uh, off-field stuff. Again, you can Google police reports and stuff like that for one of the uh, alleged um, uh, events, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know how to uh, deal with uh, kids' gloves on that one. And then Andrew Booth is the other one. I mean, Andrew Booth was a guy that people talked about as potentially the third-best corner in this draft class out of Clemson. Um, Sounds like his injuries are, are... yeah, not it stinks, looking good. It's, man. It's, it's the medicals because he had multiple surgeries on a uh, sports hernia injury. So Ugh. that's going to end up costing him probably a good amount of money. And I, I was looking on DraftKings earlier just because I was trying to check up on like, I, I really don't have a good sense of like where the media ranks people. So like, that's yeah. why I, I, I use the consensus draft board as like a crutch sometimes to say like, Hey, this is generally where people out there, right. Have him. Um, Andrew Booth was basically thought of, I think his over under was like 26.5. Yeah. Um, a guy like Jermaine Johnson was at uh, 9.5. Those are two, I feel like, put money down. I mean, we have the disclaimer, all of this, like gambling is for fun or whatever, and it's for entertainment only. Don't Please gamble responsibly. Yeah, all that. But I feel pretty good about Jermaine Johnson is going to go before nine and a half. Andrew Booth is not getting drafted in the first round. Booth bums me out, man. I, I loved him as a player. I got to talk to him at the player. combine. I really like talking to the combine. He had a good personality. It's just, yeah, you can't stay healthy. And the most important time probably of your football career, just it stinks, man. And that's why. So let's talk about those runs again, right? Edge rusher. Ojabo is not there. Teams don't love Carl Loftus. Jermaine Johnson is going to get pushed up. Trayvon Walker is going to get pushed up. Edge rushers are going to go early, right? Offensive tackle. The Saints want Cross. He might get drafted in the top 10, right? 
or, or he's, he's definitely getting drafted in the top 10. He might get drafted in the top five, dang it, right? Three tackles going in the top five. Tackle run is happening early. So that's the beginning of the draft, right? Edge and tackle. Then it's corner. Why is it corner? Andrew Booth was the third best corner. He's no longer going in the first round. So now it's going to be Sauce and it's going to be Stingley. And what about McDuffie? And then McDuffie's it's up there. Dude, McDuffie. I, I, he's the one where I'm like, I actually think the media likes him more than teams. He's tiny. He's yeah. got tiny arms. I, re- I really do think he wasn't invited to uh, the draft. The, the other yep. uh, Washington corner was invited to the draft. Kyler, yeah, just because he's athletic free. Speaking of which, you know who also wasn't invited to the draft? Burks. Ooh. Yep. Burks wasn't. It's interesting. It's interesting. Like I said, chatty Cathy's this time of year. And, and you never know, like, who's, uh, who's telling the truth and who has ulterior motives, really. But, like, I feel pretty good about the ones that uh, I talked about. It just reminds me of like Game of Thrones, man. Just all the politics of lying and making stuff up and no, being man. deceitful. Greg Gabriel, who used to work with the uh, Bears and uh, yes, that guy, Giants. Yes. He worked with us uh, with the XFL. He was the DPP of the DC team. He told us once he was like, "The day after the draft, I have to go to confession every year. I have to go to confession." He's like, "We lied so much. We lied so much." I remember a guy from. The Bucks, the year was it 2014 was the draft class? The Mike Evans, Aaron Donald year. He told me, Mike Evans isn't even on our board. We don't like him. He's like, we want to take Aaron Donald. And I was like, you want Aaron Donald? Because at the time they had Gerald McCoy playing three tech, right? And I'm like, either McCoy or Donald are going to have to play nose tackle. That doesn't really make sense for you. Like, I'm, it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, okay, whatever. Lo and behold, draft day, they take Mike Evans, who wasn't on their draft board. I'm like, okay. So that was a lie. So they, Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it happens. It happens every year. Every year. I got, a, I got two random questions that just came to my mind that I want to ask you to wrap Let's go. up. That's okay. Let's go. What is the earliest you'd be willing to draft Ojabo? Saying you trade back, trade up, anything like that. Probably late second. You take it with one of those second round picks? Whenever Paschal comes off the board, after Paschal, I I take Ojabo. Okay. Which I think is probably going to be second round at this point. I mean, I know a lot of people had him probably two weeks ago. Everyone was like, yeah, Paschal probably go in the fourth round. And now people are like, oh, NFL teams like Paschal a whole lot more than uh, the media. And it's like, yeah, watch the dang film. He's a good We liked him before it was cool, damn it. Yeah. We've been telling you guys about Paschal for. What is this? We're 8.0. So two months we've been telling you about this guy. Yeah. Last one, rank. We've talked about this on the Slack. Rank these four wide receivers in terms of who you'd want in Green Bay. Okay. DK, AJ Brown, Darren McLaurin, Debo Samuel. Do okay. Does compensation matter? No. I'm gonna say no. Just if you could get any of these guys. Okay. Because then you're just a rational football brain can make the inarticulate cheese noises. Yeah. Cause you Inartic- got finally got a, finally got a wide receiver. Inarticulate cheese noises start with DK. If I don't have to pay two first round picks for him. Right. So just <laughs> AJ Brown, number two, I think he's a really good wide receiver. I don't know if Tennessee's actually going to like get rid of him. <laughs> Three. God damn it. Terry McLaurin. Um, he's fast. 
I like fast guys. This team needs speed. And then, and then Debo fourth. Um, I'm, I'm just worried a little bit more about Debo, how his body is going to hold up. He's had injuries before all that stuff. He's not a bad player um, by any means. I, I think he'd do great in green Bay. If he were available, I'd just take the other three ahead of him. I've tiered it as I would commit war crimes for AJ Brown. I would kill a man for DK. I haven't figured out what I'd do for Terry, but I'd commit petty theft for Debo. So that's where I'm at right now. That's fair. And I, I think don't commit violence for the record. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sold on those tiers too. Yeah. Like there's a difference between all those guys. Like I, I give up a first for Debo. Probably I give a, a first and third for any of the other wide receivers, DK and AJ Brown. Like you might be able to convince me to give the Devonte picks right back to him. Like AJ Brown easily. I don't know why they're that good. I love both, but I just keep visualizing. I've accepted the DK. Just there's too much uncertainty there. I don't know why my brain has just gone. I want AJ Brown. I think that's for some reason, the most realistic. I think it's because it's AFC to NFC. And that just makes it a little bit easier. Um, Also just man, him or DK. They're just so dang physical. So dang fast, man. Eight, eight eight days, nine days, seven days. I don't know how many days left. I just want it to be here. So, this is this is torture at this point. The only wide receiver splash has been Sammy Watkins, which isn't bad. This he can block. He can block, and he was super fast. cheap. Yeah, he costs nothing. He was for, he nothing. Used for free. He was free. How can you hate free? Um, keep it tuned to the feed. Keep it tuned to Acme Packing Company website. We're writing up all these visits. Um, we're trying to get up all these scouting reports. We just got uh, Christian Watson up today. Um, we will have podcasts on draft day. I can promise you that. We will probably have uh, some sort of stream for SB Nation uh, NFL show, the, the podcast, the national podcast, if you guys want to check that out. I will definitely be on there. They invited all of the APC guys on there for uh, the Packers picks, by the way. So I oh, did they you, really? Awesome. Yeah, I don't know if you want to hop into the uh, – we'll probably do like a Twitter spaces is probably what we'll do uh, – for for 22 and 28 cool uh, manifesting a wide receiver keep DK, tweeting it keep tweeting it i'll AJ keep retweeting Brown, it terry mclaurin Debo keep, samuel jameson keep. williams chris olave garrett wilson george pickens Drake london george pickens we need hey, it. keep quote tweeting the cryptic tweets from wide receivers too those give me life so just keep telling them welcome to green bay we're gonna manifest the fa- fan the flames fan the flames take care guys